Welcome to the True Success Channel podcast. I'm your host Shamima Shahjahan and I'm here to help you unlock your inner greatness and transform your life into a fulfilling lifestyle that brings you true success that success in this world and the next. As a self-development and transformational coach, I help you eliminate the limiting beliefs that's holding you back from reaching your maximum potential. If you are a dream-driven woman, you are in the right place. As each week We'll be talking about healing, growth, empowerment and everything in between. True Success Channel is all about purpose, intention and strategic action infused with faith to help you unleash your true potential, craft your dream life and attain success. So my dearest soul sisters, let's heal, grow and slay those goals. Hey guys, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. This is me, your host Shamima Shah Jahan. And today's episode is going to be very different because I'm not going to be having a guest speaker like we usually roll in our True Success channel. It's going to be just an honest conversation between you and me. And it's going to be a very, very raw episode. I'm just going to be sharing my feelings my reflections, my gems, etc. It's going to be as raw as Raw Monday Musings. For those of you who do not know what Raw Monday Musings is, it's a soulful letter which I send every Monday to my soul sisters tribe where we talk all things personal development and faith. If you're interested to receive the Raw Monday Musings, all you need to do is go to the link in this podcast description or simply go to www.tinyurl.com forward slash rmm letter that being said let's just roll right into today's episode and today's episode i'm going to be sharing one of my favorite surahs that helps me get into the khushur zone khushur refers to the presence of mind that you have in your salah and it's very important to develop khushur because first things first we need to realize that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not in any way benefit from our salah whatever acts of worship we perform it is only going to benefit us so if we increase the quality of our solar then we are benefiting no one but ourselves and this is a point that i touched in yesterday's ramande musing letter as well where one of the points i mentioned was to focus on quality as opposed to quantity because what's the point of having a very high quantity of something when it is devoid of quality because it's the quality of a particular deed that brings about transformation within an individual so we are able to transform ourselves into a being whose life is more aligned with the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it takes us in the direction of our goals and our destiny inshallah so without much ado let me introduce one of my favorite surahs that immediately puts me in the khushur zone and this surah is none other than surah al-fil which is translated as 
the elephant. So before I go any further, let me just recite the Arabic verses and translate it and then we can dive into the reflections. I want to say that this is not going to be number one, a lecture style episode. I'm not going to be seated here trying to give you the tafsir of the surah because I'm sure that there are plenty of resources online that you can refer to, which is why in today's episode, I'm going to be sharing more of my reflections. So inshallah, I hope that this will enable you to see the surah in a different light because I'm going to be sharing my personal perspective. Let's get started. ألم تر كيف فعل ربك بأصحاب الفيل؟ Have you not considered, O Prophet, how your Lord dealt with the companions of the elephant? ألم يجعل كيدهم في قبيل؟ Did he not make their plan into misguidance? وأرسل عليهم طيب الأبابيل؟ And he sent against them birds in flocks. Striking them with stones of hard clay. And he made them like eaten straw. Subhanallah, what a beautiful surah. And... One of the best things about this surah is it's a very short surah. It's so easy for you to recite, not just on a day-to-day -day basis looking at the mushaf, but you can even memorize it and recite in your salah if you have not already memorized this particular surah. And interestingly, what really helps me get into the khushur zone when it comes to this surah is not just the translation of it, but more so the story behind the surah. I'm sure most of you must be already knowing the story, but for the benefit of those who do not know the story, let me quickly summarize it. Plus, if you already know the story, I'm sure that you can benefit from a reviewing session. So, in a nutshell, what happens is there is this ruler by the name of Abraha who is ruling over Yemen. And he built this humongous cathedral, this humongous church with the intention of diverting all the people who are making pilgrimage to the Kaaba in Mecca to come to his cathedral in Yemen. They said that this cathedral was so tall that when a person were to look up at it, he would fear to lose his cap on his head. So it was like a big, tall building. And I'm sure that this is something that we can picture because we have a lot of skyscrapers nowadays. But just imagine 1,400 plus years back having almost like a skyscraper. I'm sure it was a big deal for the Arabs and all the other people living at that particular time. But unfortunately, his plan did not work out. People continued to go to the now, one of the reasons he wanted to do this was because, number one, he was obviously jealous and maybe to receive all the materialistic benefits that he can receive by having pilgrims come to his country. Because obviously, pilgrims equals to wealth and foreigners entering into Mecca to visit the Kaaba was bringing about a lot of prosperity to the Meccans and Abraha, he in some way wanted to divert it to him. He wanted to build this huge 
legacy or whatever yada yada you can imagine all the benefits that he must have been having in his mind when he built this cathedral but like i mentioned nobody responded to his call and then he even began to force certain arab to come to his cathedral and this undoubtedly infuriated the arab so much so that one person one arab he had this weird way of taking out his anger that he went to this cathedral he traveled all the way to yemen and he wanted to disrespect it and the way he chose to do it was just defecating in the church so the army of abraha got to know about this and they informed about this to abraha and obviously he became super duper angry so much so that he said that he is going to travel all the way to mecca with the intention to destroy the kaaba so he gathered an army of about 12000 men plus elephants now for those of you who do not know i am from sri lanka i am born if i can say with the knowledge of elephants if you visit sri lanka i'm sure that one of the souvenirs from sri lanka you're going to take back home is going to have an elephant either a t-shirt print whether it's an ornament a keychain whatever it is we promote a lot of our elephants we are proud about it it's something that's unique to our country our heritage and i can already feel the awe the people must be having looking at this humongous creature especially when they have never seen an elephant before you know arabs are not used to seeing elephants all they have is let's say camels horses sheep goat then there's this humongous elephant coming from abyssinia coming from ethiopia the african elephants they're huge let me say even bigger than the asian elephants that's in sri lanka they're so big and it said that the biggest elephant was ridden by abra himself by the name of mahmud i'm sure that just looking at this huge creature of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it can just strike fear in the heart of the person so abraham with his army and the elephants they set out to destroy kaaba and they camped at this particular place before they entered kaaba and then abraham sent a messenger to the city of makkah with the message to their leader who at that time was abdul muttalib who is also the grandfather of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam actually they didn't have any leadership but abdul muttalib was someone who was highly respected because of the role he played and he was an old man and he came from a very noble tribe of quraish so naturally this messenger was pointed to abdul muttalib and he went to abdul muttalib and he said that abraha had come abraha abraha whatever pronunciation you prefer <laughs> i realized that i would be switching between the pronunciations um i hope you don't mind it so messenger basically informed abdul muttalib about abraha who had come with the intention of destroying the kaaba and he also said that abraha will not destroy the people of makkah unless they decide to fight against him and to this abdul muttalib replied by allah we have no wish to fight him nor are we in any position to do so this is the sacred house of allah and the house of his khalil ibrahim alayhi salam and if he wishes to prevent him from destroying it that is if allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes to prevent abraha from destroying the kaaba it is his house 
and his secret place to do so. So he basically said, we have no intention of disrupting Abraha's plan. We are sure that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of it because after all, it's his house. And to this, the messenger invited Abdul Muttalib to come visit Abraha. And it is said that Abdul Muttalib was a person who is capable of filling people with awe because he had a huge stature and he was a handsome person that when Abraha saw Abdul Muttalib, he actually got down from his seat, came down to the level of Abdul Muttalib and just spoke to him. So he informed him that, you know, just ask me of anything. And you know what Abdul Muttalib asked? Interestingly, when Abraha settled down, one thing he did was he told his army to loot the possessions of the Makkans, which was surrounding that area. So whatever livestock was just gazing, gazing, sorry, grazing in that area, the army simply looted it. And out of the loot were 200 camels that belonged to Abdul Muttalib. So when Abraha asked Abdul Muttalib, just ask me anything, you know what Abdul Muttalib asked? He said, you know, I know that you have looted some positions that belong to the Makkans. And amongst that stuff that you have looted are my 200 camels. I would very well like it if you could return it to me. And when Abraha heard about it, he was shocked. He was like, dude. <laughs> Sorry, he never said dude, but you see, I'm really trying to get into the emotions. Like I said, this is one of my favorite surahs that helps me get into the Khushur zone. So I like to really feel it. So I hope you don't mind it. So Abraham was like, I have come here to destroy Kaaba, your house of worship that you respect so much. And I tell you to ask me anything. And the only thing you ask me is to return back your 200 camels? Like, seriously? I thought you were such a great person, noble in character, blah blah, and you are so cheap. And you know what Abdul Muttalib replied to it? It's very interesting. You know, he said that I am the master of the camels. And it is my duty to protect it, which is why I'm asking you about the camels. Whereas the Kaaba, it is the house of Allah. It has its owner. It has its Lord and he will defend it. So he said that I'm the owner of the camel, so I want to protect it because it's my responsibility. As for the Kaaba, it has its owner. That's Allah and Allah will protect it. Khalas. And Abraham was like, oh, whatever, I'm still going to destroy it. You know, he was showing his attitude. But he returned Abdul Muttalib's 200 camels and Abdul Muttalib went back to Makkah and he told the people, you know, there's this person, crazy person, Abraha, coming to destroy Kaaba. We let Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take care of it because we have no power over him, obviously, because 12,000 armies, elephants, oh my god, so overwhelming. So he advised the people living in Makkah to retreat to a mountain so they can be safe from mistreatments from the army when they invade Makkah and before Abdul Muttalib went retreated to the mountain he made a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he said there is no matter more important to any man right now than the defense of his livestock and property so oh my lord 
defend your property and their cross and their cunning will not be victorious over your cunning by the time morning comes i'm just reading of ibn kathir the english translation so for those of you who want to read the detailed story about it i'm just narrating the gist of the story i highly recommend that you go to qtafsir.com qtafsir.com Go to the tafsir of Surah Zulfil and you will be able to get the detailed story about this incident. Now, this is the story. And why does this fill me with so much of pushor, so much of emotions? It's this, subhanAllah, this conversation of Abdul Muttalib and what happened as a result. It's said that after Abdul Muttalib made this dua, flocks of birds, we are talking about groups after groups after groups of birds, coming, carrying stones like chickpeas and lentils, three of them, each bird was carrying three, one in each of its claw and one in its beak, so one, two, three. And it was pelting at the army, this magnificent army of Abraha until it was destroyed subhanallah allah indeed protected his house now i want to go into the arabic text of this surah because i feel that you cannot really connect with the quran solely based on the translation the quran is the arabic quran and one of the things that will help you ponder over the Qur'an is when you try to learn the Arabic text of the Qur'an, it opens up the ocean of meaning. Translation is super direct. It does not do justice at all. So please bear with me if you are new to Arabic language while I try to really reflect upon the Arabic text of this particular surah. So, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alam tara kayfa fa'al rabbuka bi ashab al-fiyon. So, the rough translation is, Have you not seen, did you not see how your Lord dealt with the companions of the elephant? When you look at the Arabic text, the word used for see is tara, which is in present tense. And you know what's interesting? Linguistically speaking, this is something that has happened in the past. But Allah is using the present and the present verb, tara. And you know what this reflects? This reflects that this is something that's ongoing. In the sense, whatever is going to be mentioned in this particular surah is not just related to that particular incident with Abraha, but this is going to be the lesson this is going to be a warning for any tyrant who tries to fight against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Before I go on, let me just complete the second ayah. The translation is Did he not make their plan into misguidance? Here also, after the word alam, we see a present tense verb, yaj'al. It's not ja'ala, it's yaj'al. Again, like I mentioned before, when we are talking about present tense word, we are talking about something that is ongoing. And both these ayahs together, you know, scholars say that this surah holds a lesson and a warning, like I mentioned before, to any tyrant who wants to cause injustice, who wants to fight Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
who wants to oppress people, take away their rights. Subhanallah. And you know what's interesting about the word ja'ala, yaj'al? We are talking about something that is getting transformed. So for an example, when we say khalaqa, in English it's translated as creation, created. It means creating from nothing. For an example, Allah created this universe out of nothing. And Allah talks about khalaqa when he talks about the creation of the heavens and the earth. But the word ja'ala, it refers to a particular object being transformed from one form to the other. For an example, wood from tree being transformed into a table. And in this surah, we see how Allah transformed this so-called mighty army that's unbeatable, that instills fear in the heart of whoever see. You know, the Arabs literally retreated. They left their home, their property, everything to the mountain to be safe from this army. It was such a powerful army. Allah transformed this powerful army into something that resembles an eaten straw. Camels, they chew on grass and there are some bits and pieces that fall down from their mouth. That describes Aswim Ma'kul, the words used in here. Or another thing that Aswim Ma'kul describes is leaf that gets blown in the wind. Allah degrades their army so much so that they are not even like leaves that are stuck to a branch. They are so loose, so powerless that they get just blown away by the wind. Subhanallah, that's the meaning of the word ja'ala. How Allah just transformed them instantly from a powerful army into absolutely nothing. And... Apart from this, another thing that really, really, like I mentioned, adds so much hope is the actual conversation of Abdul Muttalib. Let's talk about the first dialogue that he spoke about. That is, he said that he does not wish to fight Abraha and he is in no position to do so. And he said that this is the sacred house of Allah and he will protect. How is it applicable in the current times? How is it applicable in our lives? We see, we may not be facing an army like a physical soldiers and animals in our life, but we are all going through internal struggles or even external struggles. And currently we all have a shared external struggle with the coronavirus pandemic. But even without that into the picture, we are each going through our internal struggles, right? It may be certain fight within our nafs. It may be internal struggles or internal chaos caused by a bad relationship that we have with someone else, someone who is trying to oppress us, someone who is not letting us bloom into our full potential. Maybe it's our parents, maybe it's a bully, maybe it's our spouse who just doesn't seem to understand and support us. I want you to remember that it's not just Kaaba that is beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but Allah loves you and if Allah is going to create birds to protect his house what makes you doubt that Allah will work in your life too maybe you won't find physical birds hovering over your head but Allah is constantly working in your life trying to make things happen in your way you need to have conviction 
you need to have tawakkul like Abdul Muttalib. He firmly believed. He didn't see Allah. He has never seen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just like you and me. But he knew that Allah will protect his house. Do we have such a conviction that Allah is working in our life, that Allah is able to cause miracles in our life? He is able to fix our problems. We need to bring in this conviction in our heart. Only then when we make dua to Allah, when we call out to him, when we talk about his problems, we need to believe that he is fully capable of solving our problems and he will do it because it's the promise of Allah that he answers the calling of every believer because who do we have other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we are no one we are nothing we are always completely dependent on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah is so merciful that he has made his mercy incumbent upon us and we are in the month of mercy we are in ramadan what a blessed month and in this month if you have any doubts about allah answering your dua i want you to let go of all of them know that allah always hears he is a samir he always sees he is all seeing al-basir he knows your pain he knows your suffering he knows your determination he knows your desire whether it is pain caused by not living your full life your life that's fulfilling that makes you feel amazing whether it is pain caused by someone doing injustice to you whether it's a burning desire to achieve something to set your goals start that business build your brand become financially stable buy your house don't limit yourself you know don't feel guilty if you are having dunya goals it's okay because that's a part and parcel of who we are you can't completely detach yourself from the dunya because this dunya is darul amal this is the place for work but what's not good is if you make this your only priority because even when it comes to the dua that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us to make he teaches us rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina allah teaches us to make dua for the dunya first he tells us to seek the goodness in this dunya and then seek the goodness in the hereafter and save us from the punishment of the hellfire. The dunya to the akhira ratio is 1 is to 2. Akhira has more emphasis, but he starts from dunya. This is the foundation. It's okay if you want goodness in this world, whether it is materialistic things, whether you want to have your dream house, whether you want to have a dream workspace, whether you want all these you know amazing gadgets, clothes notebooks books you know whatever it is that you like makeup don't feel bad you need to allow yourself to be vulnerable to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abdul muttalib accepted he completely accepted his weakness he said that they are in no position to fight abraham but at the same time he had the conviction that with allah anything is possible bring elephants bring dragons bring whatever Allah can defeat any of it. He had the conviction and we need to bring similar conviction into our lives when we are trying to establish the presence of mind in our prayer. Accept your weakness, be vulnerable and then don't doubt Allah's capability. Now let's discuss the second dialogue of 
Abdul Muttalib. He said that I am the master of my camels. I am the owner of my camels. Therefore, I am responsible for it. Whereas the father, Allah is the owner. Allah is responsible for it. He will take care of it. What an interesting dialogue. What are some lessons we can learn from it? Number one, there are certain things that's within our control. We need to take care of it. We cannot just carelessly say that Allah will take care of it and not do things what is within our capacity to fix our problem, no matter whatever it is that we are facing. Maybe when I'm saying about problem, maybe some of you must be thinking about not having a child. Maybe some of you must be thinking about not being married. Maybe another sister is thinking about an examination they have to face. You know, whatever it is you are facing, you have to realize that any problem, the solution is twofold. One comes from you. You are directly linked to your problem. And two, it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Obviously, whatever problems that get solved is through the fadl and the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But that doesn't mean that you would not do your part. You have to do your part. It is incumbent. We are all shepherds. You know, I'm sure you must have heard this. Every messenger of God was a shepherd. Likewise, we have our own flock. What's within our control? What's in our circle? What becomes a part of our responsibility? I feel the first and foremost thing that we need to become accountable for is ourselves. We are an amana ourselves. We have to answer for ourselves for what Allah has given us, what we have done with ourselves, what we have not done with ourselves, and why not. You get what I'm trying to say? So, we have to act. We have to live a life with purpose, not just worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but also answering our inner calling so that we may benefit not just ourselves, but also those around us. So, we may serve our creation. So, if you have a problem in life, number one, Become a shepherd. Become an owner. Take responsibility for the things that's in your control and act. He went to Abraha and he spoke out to him and said, This is my camel. Give it to me. Sometimes a part of the problem is we want the problem to be solved. We have that sincere intention in our heart. But we are not willing to act on it. And sometimes acting on the solution equals to gathering the courage summoning the courage and speaking out and that's exactly what abdul muttalib did he acknowledged that this is an army that we cannot beat he knew his position but that did not stop him from standing up for what was his standing up for what was right get it so sometimes you need to gather your courage when you are trying to solve the problem and this brings me to the second point that is don't let the problem overwhelm you. There is only so much to what you can do. You know, you can exert your thousand and one person, but still things might not change. And this is where you need to acknowledge Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That we have no control over the circumstances, what is happening to us. But we can control our response. And that's what's expected from us. Control what's within our capacity. And most of the time, the only thing that we have control over is ourselves, our thoughts, our actions, our behaviors. And inshallah, when we take control of it and make sure that everything aligns with the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah will make even miracles happen. Allah can create miracles in your life. It does not necessarily have to be like the miracles that happened to the Prophet. 
But if you really think about this, life in itself is a miracle. How many people have a chronic illness, but Allah just removes their ailment from them? The doctors are puzzled. They don't know how he just got cured and they must have given a deadline for this person. Like you just live for two months, three months, cancer, whatever it is. Get what I'm saying? Let's look at another example. Maybe there's a couple who is trying to conceive, trying to have a child for a long time. Then the doctors say that, you know, you're barren, you're infertile, you will not be able to have a child. And the couple just gives up hope. But look at the Quran. It's filled with stories of hope. It's filled with stories of conviction, of yaqeen. Ibrahim salam, the Khalilullah, the friend of Allah, who Abdul Muttalib made mention of. At what age did he have the child? And how did he react when the angels brought the message that his wife is going to have a child? SubhanAllah. So don't underestimate the words that Allah can do in your life. It does not necessarily have to be limited to an ailment that you're having, a condition that you're having. Allah is Al-Fattah. He is the opener. He can open doors to anything. Maybe you're facing poverty today. But if you work hard and if you believe, then know that Allah is Al-Razak and He can provide from wherever He desires to make your life nourishing, to make you enriched. And how many people are trying to achieve different things but they just give up because they don't ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like they should be asking Him. They ask Him based on their limitations. They don't have the full conviction that Allah is more powerful than their problem. This is something that we need to acknowledge and this is something that we can learn from the second dialogue of Abdul Muttalib. And then the third dialogue of Abdul Muttalib. He said, there is no matter more important to any man right now than the defense of his livestock and property. Oh my Lord, defend your property. Don't let their evil plans and thoughts become victorious, if I can say that. Now what do we see? We see that he is conversing with Allah and he is being honest. You know, he's not sugarcoating things. He's not saying, Ya Allah, we tried, blah, blah, blah. He is not beating behind the bush. He is talking out of emotions, yet being super bluntly honest about his feelings to Allah. Because he acknowledges that Allah knows what's in his heart, even if he were to just lie about things verbally. Allah knows you. So if you feel that let's say you have a feeling towards something that you should not be having acknowledge it when you feel that ya allah you know i'm making this sincere dua but shaitan or my nafs is putting these doubts just acknowledge it just be open to allah converse with him and this is not something that we learn from abdul muttalib alone and this is something that we learn in several other places in the quran as well for an example zakaria he did not have a kid for such a long time and when he was making dua to allah he said that he is old his wife is barren allah knew about his condition already but he took the time to connect with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is what is included in developing khushur having an effective prayer. So these are just three points I wanted to share from the dialogues that Abdul Muttalib took part
part in. I hope you benefited from it. If you do have any other reflections based on these dialogues of Abdul Muttalib, feel free to share them with me. Just reach out to me uh, on Instagram. My user ID is Shamima underscore Shaj or on Facebook. My username is Shamima Shahjahan. The spellings are S-H-A-M-E-E-M-A-S-H-A-J-A-H-A-N. I really hope that you benefited from today's raw, unscripted podcast episode. It would really, really mean a lot to hear back from you. Always stay positive and may you have a very productive and prosperous Ramadan. Take advantage of it. Talk to Allah. Don't doubt his capability. With that, I'll catch you next week or should I say tomorrow in the YouTube video. Till then, this is me, Shamima, signing off saying Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Take care.